Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dark Side of the Force. Of course, I'm your host, Josh. And in today's episode, I'm going to be doing kind of a quick recap of the second episode of The Bad Batch, titled Cut and Run. Uh, as well as, since it is a shorter episode, I didn't want to just do the whole episode doing a quick recap and my thoughts on that. I'm also going to do, um, well, let me first start by saying, um, Resident Evil Village came out this Friday, so I've been playing that. Of course, it's been Mother's Day weekend, so I've been a little late on getting this episode out to you guys. But while playing Village, I also got to thinking, entertaining the idea of, what about mixing horror elements with Star Wars, and would a horror Star Wars game or movie ever be a good idea? So I thought I would kind of share a little bit of my thoughts on that. So um, without further delay, let's go ahead and dig in. So last episode I did a review for you guys. It ended up being a pretty lengthy um, review and breakdown. Of course it was... Um, over 70 minutes, and this one's just being 30 minutes, so it's going to be a shorter episode this time around. I'm not going to go into as much detail, um, just because while this wasn't a bad episode, there just wasn't as much to really take in. Not a ton happened. We do get some interesting world-building stuff that I'm going to get into, and this episode really, you know, I'm not going to call it filler, it was, it's made to build the bond that Omega has with the boys, the Bad Batch. And then also to give us some more world building about what the current state of the galaxy's in. So their ship lands on the planet Seleucami, and um, we get to see Omega, of course, experiencing things like sunlight and dirt for the first time. Um, she's very happy and entertained by such simple commodities to everyday people. Um, so that was an interesting scene. It just, it's just to show you, you know, that this girl has been on Camino all her life and all this stuff that is everyday stuff to people like us would is such alien and foreign to her. So that was what that whole purpose was. I thought it was an interesting scene because it made sense. She's not used to this stuff. So anyway, they end up um, coming across Cut and his wife, his Twi'lek wife, Sue. Um, of course, Cut is the clone deserter who um, settled down with a family as opposed to continuing the Clone Wars. And we find out that just the day before, they just missed him, Rex had came through. And Rex informs Cut about the inhibitor chip. We find that out that Rex was talking a whole lot about the inhibitor chip um, and how it's controlling clones. Um... We get to see later in the episode Hunter and Cut go into the nearby town, which Cut and his family are wanting to get off-world and go somewhere else. And they need to, of course, get on that flight. But they're going to need to have a chain code, which is something that basically the Empire is now requiring all civilians and people to have as a way basically just to identify people easier um, and to... I mean... It just, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say it's like a social security number. This might be something that's more um, malicious, I guess you could say. 
I'm not, you know, I guess time will tell just how um, possibly malicious this chain code is. I mean, basically, you know, it just wants to see how the Empire is wanting to identify and know everything about you. Basically, like, you know, where you are, where you've been. We see a, a ship above them getting impounded, and that's where um, Cut informs Hunter that um, the Empire is impounding ships and forcing them to get tanks so that they can know, basically, like people, you know, where this ship has been and track it, um, things like that. It also, um, if you remember, um, Din Djarin from The Mandalorian, his ship was pre-Empire, and he did not have the transponder. So, you know, that was kind of that neat connection. That, you know, you're like, oh, okay, so all these ships are getting, you know, this this transponder type thing, and then his ship did it. You know, he was able to avoid that and, and not have that. Um, he was able to avoid the Empire being able to track and have his ship on record like that so that was um a neat little connection there if you can you know notice that and also omega ends up playing ball with uh cut and Seuss, uh toilet kids um the ball ends up going over the fence or out of bounds from the house um the kids try to tell omega to you know just forget about it but she goes after the ball um while they're going inside and the Nexu, a wild Nexu shows up um, about to attack her as she's trying to get the ball. And that's the creature from Attack of the Clones. If you remember that, it's what the Geonosians try to use to assassinate Padme, or not assassinate, execute Padme with um, the cat-like creature with like the four eyes on its head. Almost spider-like looking, I think, with its face. Um, anyway... Sue, you know, is on the roof of the house with the, um, her sniper-like rifle and ends up, um, both her and Hunter end up running the Nexu off. Um, we kind of get this moment where Hunter is critical of Omega for putting herself in danger like that, which, you know, she gets emotional. Um, and then Cut kind of tends to her, um, picks her up and walks her back to the house. He does. And this is where we kind of have the moment where Hunter's like, okay, you know, Omega needs to be with Cut and his family, not us, you know. And he tries to get it to where she'll be going with Cut and his family when they get on the shuttle. So, uh, Tech and Echo end up staying on board their ship. Um, they get it and purposely impounded by the Empire, so they have a way to get kind of behind the security lines, and then they can make up, or, um, Tech can then um, basically make their own um, bootleg um, chain codes so that Cut and his family can then board that flight and get out of there. And um, Omega, having been having that emotional, traumatic experience, she was kind of just chilling out on the ship, kind of having some alone time. And then Tech and Echo did not know she was there. So when they get the ship impounded, she's there with them. Um, Echo ends up sneaking into like this. Anyway, while they're in the compound of the Empire, um, I guess you could say base or security depot, whatever you call it. Um, he's making, um, or he gets the codes or the information needed so the tech can then make the chain codes. And they make them and then basically with security there, they don't think they're going to be able to get back to Hunter in the game unnoticed. So then Omega ends up taking the the newly made chain codes 
and she takes tries to get them back too. Um, cut and Hunter almost lost my train of thought there. So, and then of course, you know, stuff goes uh, astray. Um, Wrecker ends up getting across security lines, creating diversions, taking out clones, um, so that they don't get noticed. Omega doesn't get noticed. She ends up getting the chain codes to them, um, which she notes that Tech made a mistake and made one extra chain code. There's five instead of four, which Hunter then kind of has the moment where he's like telling her, you know, you're better off with them. You know, you need to go with them. Um, after that, they end up Hunter ends up fighting his way back to Tech. Echo um, Wrecker fights his way back as well. Um, they're ready to escape in their ship when right at the last moment, Omega, you know, joins up with them. She doesn't want to go with Cut and his family. She wants to stay with Hunter and the boys. And then they get up, they end up getting on their ship that was impounded and they end up escaping. And we also get to see a scene where the clones almost recognize Cut as being a former trooper himself, having, you know, been a deserter they almost recognize that he is a clone but with all the chaos going on of wrecker and echo and tech you know fighting other clones um that diversion lets you know trooper to stop probing into realizing that he looks familiar and then they go off to try to stop the boys which lets te uh, which lets cut and his wife escape and then their kids so, like I was saying earlier, not a ton to kind of digest from this episode. Like I said, I'm not going to call it filler. It definitely wasn't as exciting as the last episode, the first episode. But it has its own merits. We get some world building. We get to see how the Empire is tagging vehicles or ships and requiring people to get... Um, you know, identification style codes. We get to see um, Omega bonding with Hunter some in the sense that also, um, before I forget, on the ship she mentions to Hunter that she has a lot to learn, but that she's wanting to learn. So we may see her learn more, I guess you could say, combat skills like shooting a blaster more so, um, which I don't think she'll struggle with. I think she'll have a natural affinity to probably a lot of the stuff they try to teach her. I don't think she'll be like perfect at it, but I don't think she'll be like struggling super hard at stuff either. Since she does seem to be a gifted child uh, with how she was able to just pick up a blaster for the first time and shoot the, the sniper right out of crosshairs hands in the first episode. So I think the next episode will be more interesting um, potentially they're going to go after Rex, maybe find out where he is. And if they're going after Rex, we can maybe find out what's going on with Ahsoka during this time. If he's had any contact with her or if he knows what she's doing, or maybe if she's even there with him, uh, we may get to see that. That would be neat. Um, and this series, before I move on to my other topic, I just want to say that this series has given me Mandalorian vibes. Primarily, I, I kind of seen a, a correlation between Hunter and Omega with how, you know, Dan is with Grogu. So, because if you think about it, in both instances, 
um, the father-like um, figure has tried to give up their child, I well, child-like person that they're looking after. They try to give them up to somebody else who they think that will give them a better life. But, you know, whether in this case Omega's own choice or in the Mandalorian's case, you know, the danger of Grogu being taken by another bounty hunter or killed, you know, ultimately that, that plan falls through and they end up, you know, staying together. So that's that's interesting. And then also you're seeing this from where Din almost has this father-like connection with Grogu. You're kind of seeing the same with Hunter where I do think he is going to develop father-like um, sense of responsibility over Omega. Obviously, he cares about what happens to her. You know, he got upset at the thought of, I guess, that Nexu uh, eating her or killing her, you know. So that's interesting that I'm kind of seeing that connection there. And we'll have to see how it fans out. You know, there's still a lot of episodes left, and it'll be interesting to see where they take the boys next. And if we're going to hopefully see them meet up with Rex. I, I say that's pretty safe. I'd say with them mentioning how Rex came by and ran into cut, I'd say it's a safe bet that they're going to, the boys are going to run into Rex, which will be real interesting. Uh, maybe we'll also see how the um, rescue other clones too, like Wolf and Gregor. So that'll be interesting. Um, so with that, I now want to talk about kind of, Star Wars and horror, and what my thoughts on that are. And my answer may surprise you, but I'm going to go ahead and answer my own question of would I want to see Star Wars kind of dabble in horror as far as a video game, movie, TV show. And for the most part, I actually would say no. And that may seem like a surprise because I actually... Well, with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, just to kind of switch here to give an example of, of you know, a, a Marvel movie that's coming out that's going to um, be the first MCU movie to really have a lot of horror elements. I don't know if they're going to go full-blown and label it as a horror movie. Um, excuse me. But I think that it is going to definitely have horror elements. It's being advertised by it, and it's being, you know, directed by Sam Raimi, and we all know that he has done horror movies before, so I'm looking forward to that. But with Star Wars, I don't know. It's just different. I mean, with, with superheroes like DC and Marvel, I just think it's easier to do horror stuff. You know, you could have an alternate reality in Marvel or DC where... Uh, you see where all the heroes are actually villains and they enslave the planet or destroy the planet. Um, or maybe it's a reality where Thanos wins and the earth is like just, you know, just this huge hellscape with, you know, all this bad stuff going on, or maybe it's a world overrun by vampires. Um, since I think blade is eventually going to be entered into the MCU. Maybe we'll see something like that. Um, you know, it's just, and there was Star Wars. I mean, yeah, in the Clone Wars, we had that whole Geonosian brainworm thing where, like, it could take over your body and turn you into, like, this almost zombie like state. Um, I mean, stuff like that. But, I mean, for an episode and, like, an animated show, sure, sure. Um, but for um, a movie, like an actual Star Wars movie that's horror based, uh, I just, I just don't. 
think I would feel it. Now, the most logical, I think, choice that would come to mind if you was going to do that would be something where maybe Vader or is or somebody, I, I, I'm assuming Vader, you know, is hunting down rebels and, you know, the rebels are scared out of their minds, you know, maybe... They hear Vader's breathing, but they don't know where direction he's coming from, and he's using the Force to take them out, maybe in crazy, messed up ways or something. Um, you know, something like that, but, I mean, how are you going to do a full movie like that? You know, so, now for a video game, that's a little bit different, but even still, I'm just, you know, how could you necessarily do it? I mean. In Jedi Fallen Order, you know, you're on Daphomir, which is definitely a creepy planet. And, you know, they have the Night Sister um, zombies, you know, that you end up fighting in that game. But, of course, that game's not a horror game. So you never really feel like the game is just necessarily trying to scare you. I mean, they might be creepy, but, you know, it's not doing, like, jump scares or um, stuff like that. Now, if you wanted to do something where, um, Star Wars Dead by Daylight style. And if you don't know what Dead by Daylight is, it's basically a, a horror game where it, it's an online game and you have four people who play as um, survivors and they have to turn on the power and escape. And then one person plays as a killer. And, you know, basically you have to hunt these people down, you know, and slash them up, down them, put them on these hooks. Um, and yeah, I mean, that that's basically it. You know, it's your typical run away from the monster, don't get caught, you know, and you get that adrenaline and that fright of of the idea of, oh, no, oh did he see me or is he going to catch me? Um, you know, you can hide in like lockers, you know, stuff like that. You know, so could you do a Star Wars thing like that where maybe Vader is, is in this case, the killer and um, the survivors are the rebels and you have to like stay away from him and try to escape some... Um, factory or location that you're trapped in or something i mean i mean i think it'd be interesting maybe sure but for an actual horror game no i just don't think there's enough there you know i mean yeah you could just make each killer like maybe vader palpatine boba fett um maybe even go into the clone wars and have ventress dooku grievous um I mean, it's got you could do some cool stuff with that. Like each character could then have their own move sets, and then of course you'd have the rebels or the clones, whatever. But I mean, uh, I just don't necessarily think it'll ever happen. You know, Star Wars just doesn't give me that horror vibes like how other franchises could. And I mean, you're you're probably not going to see a Marvel horror style video game either. I mean, you're going to get maybe a movie, you know, that's got some creepy stuff in it. Same with television. But I don't think either will ever probably give you, like, a, a true horror game. And that's just because that's not what they're geared at. Um, I mean, if you want horror, you know, go play Resident Evil, you know, which I have been playing Village. Um, so far, I've been liking it. I do recommend if you're maybe thinking about picking it up that you do get it. Uh, I've been enjoying it so far. And, yeah, that's pretty much... All I have for today's episode, in kind of conclusion, I would say um, Bad Batch Episode 2. Um, decent episode. Not bad, but 
no, nowhere near as good as the first episode. I'll just put it as that. And of course, you know, it's what do you expect? 75 minute episode versus 30 minute episode. And the first episode had a lot more action and whatnot. But I mean, that is to be expected. Not every episode of this season is going to be like episode one. Um, we can only hope that towards the end of the season or at other points, it ramps back up and we get some more awesome moments. Um, and then also with my other topic in conclusion, um, yeah, I just, Star Wars and horror gets a pass for me. Um, but I am open to maybe Marvel or DC giving us horror, maybe not a full-blown horror movie, but horror elements and maybe a select few films or TV episodes. And then for video games, just stick to actual horror video games. So um, that's all I have for today's episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed it, and I hope you've had a great Mother's Day weekend. And um, I'm on Instagram now, by the way, not just Twitter. So on Twitter, it's still Dark Side Force 4. And then on Instagram, it's just Dark Side of the Force. You can check me out on both of those now in case maybe you have one or the other or both. I'm trying to expand ways you guys can get in touch with me. And thank you again for listening.